Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 9 about the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and we'll study the special influence that God will have on Japheth to get saved. Now, we've been mentioning all week about the Summer Blitz. What is the Summer Blitz? It's a campaign to reach lost Jewish people around the United States and Canada this summer. And Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, is encouraging you to be a part of it. Now, Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries are sponsoring 108 missionaries to go out to these 14 Jewish cities around the U.S. and Canada, and we'd like you to be a part of it. We'd like you to help support and send more missionaries to go out this summer between Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd to reach Jewish people full-time throughout the entire summer. Now, these missionaries will go door-to-door, street-to-street, person-to-person with a personal gospel witness as well as gospel resources and materials written for the Jewish people by Tom Cantor. Now, you can be a part of this campaign because we need to send more missionaries and we'd like your financial support. It'll be a tax-deductible donation to us here at Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Donate online at IsraelRestoration.org, IsraelRestoration.org, or FriendshipWithGod.org, or call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051 with your support to reach lost Israel, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God, teaching us about Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So that we can see it. You didn't have to put it in the sky for him to see it, but he put in the sky for us to see as well, to remind us of God's mercy and his love and his care for us, even in the times when we're, well, right after that great wrath, when he destroyed the whole earth, there's a little bit of a memorial, a little bit of that also, you know, dead bodies, who knows, all over, and then there comes the rainbow, see? So right in the midst of wrath, he remembered mercy. And that happens to us in our lives as well. You know, just this last Thursday, we had gone to the imaging center so I could have the MRI to check for the cancer. And I just had an MRI 10 weeks ago, and it's cancer-free. So they ran the MRI, and they give us the report. And we're in the car, and we're looking at the report. And there it says, they found a 3-centimeter lesion on my spleen. That's not a good thing. So, and it had rained, and you remember Thursday, and we're driving home, and, you know, and then now the engagement is coming, and oh, you know, what's the next do, what do we do next, and the what ifs, and where do we go, the, the PET CT, how fast can we get the PET CT, so, you know, all this discussion, I do two things when I get uh, anxious, I talk a lot, and I eat a lot. But, <laughs> but I've gotten great victory over it, as you can see from my body weight. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> what's happening. So there on the right side of the road, in a valley, was one end of a beautiful rainbow. And it stretched over the road. And it went over on the left side, uh, the, on the other side. And so we were heading right under it. And Cheryl, she says, look, there's a rainbow. So what does Tom do? He says, why are you bothering me with this? <laughs> We're talking about what to do next and plants. And I thought, okay, very nice color in the sky. Okay, now let's get back to the what ifs and the next to do. And I just kept talking. Well, Cheryl is very perceptive to when she's being brushed off. And so <laughs> seeing that the rainbow was not meaning anything to me, she says, Tom, 
She says, isn't it nice that the Lord brought us the rainbow at this time? Now, whenever she says Tom, that's the other thing I've learned. The other thing is this Tom, that means I should stop and listen. I've learned that as a general rule in life. So I did that. And, uh, and I stopped and thought about it. And the impact of this statement here in Genesis 9.14, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And it really had an impact. I stopped and I just prayed, Lord, I, Lord Jesus, I worship you. Very simple. Remembering the meaning of the rainbow just made everything just sort of become calm and in place and peaceful. That's the reminder of God's love and his mercy, and he'll take care of you. So the meaning of the rainbow, the rainbow has like words associated with it, and these are these words in Genesis 13, 9, 13 through 15, where he says, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token, the covenant. Come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen. And I'll remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. See, those are the words. So the rainbow is God's beautiful plaque in the sky. And that plaque reads, the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. So the rainbow tells us of God's reluctance to judge and harm any man. And the rainbow tells us of God's desire to do good and to save all men. But the rainbows are, rainbows are seen all the time. And most of the time, all that's seen is just beautiful colors in the sky. That's nice. But because God's plaque that's associated with the rainbow is very rarely red that's in the sky. The words that we just talked about, because they're not heard. They're not hearkened. Why? That brings up the broader question of why God's words are rarely heard during a time of trouble. Now, there was a particular time in the history of the Jewish people that gives us the answer to this question, why are God's words so rarely heard when they need to be heard? And that verse was actually quoted this morning in the breaking of bread by Brother Jacob, and where Moses had just been sent by God from Midian to rescue the Jewish people from the Egyptians, to redeem them out of Egypt to God. And Moses had gone to Pharaoh and told him that God had ordered him to let God's people go. And Pharaoh didn't respond very nicely. As a matter of fact, he then ordered that the Jewish people were not to be given any straw to make bricks. And that new situation brought a lot of anxiety to the Jewish people. So God saw that. So God told Moses, bring a special word, a word of promise, a word of encouragement to the Jewish people. Turn to that in Exodus chapter 6, which is where uh, we were directed this morning. Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8. Here's the special word that God told Moses, you bring this word from me. You be the postman, Moses. Exodus 6, 6 and 8 through 8. And so here's what it says. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, this is, remember, this is God's instructions to Moses. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, say to the Jewish people, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out from their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you for me to a people. I will be to you a God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land, concerning the which I did swear to give Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I will give it you for heritage. I am the Lord. 
Boy, those are, that's quite a message, huh? That's a special message from God to the Jewish people at that time. Those were wonderful words of promise, wonderful words of encouragement, and God essentially gave eight points. He's saying to the Jewish people, if you're taking notes, put down eight points. He said, point number one, he said, for your need for a powerful deliverer. Point number one, I am the Lord. Point number two, for your need to no longer be under slavery to the work of the Egyptians. Point number two, verse six, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And so you just know how important it is to me. I didn't say I'm going to ask some angel to do it. He said, I'm going to do it myself. I will bring you out. Point number three, for your need to be forever free from any part of the work of slavery in Egypt, verse 6, I will rid you out of their bondage. And uh, maybe sometimes, you know, we come out of that service, that time, and we say to ourselves, I really didn't get anything out of that service at that time. That's not the issue. Because just as much as the rainbow was a reminder for man, God made it very clear in this passage It was a reminder for God. Remembering the meaning of the rainbow just made everything just sort of become calm and in place and peaceful. That's the reminder of God's love and his mercy, and he'll take care of you. Point number four, for your need to no longer be the property of the Egyptians, verse six, I will buy you, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Point number five, For your need to now belong, to now be owned by a kind master, verse 7, I will take you to me for a people. Point number 6, for your need to know God, to know who God really is, verse 7, you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Point number 7, for your need for a place to now live, because, you know, you're going to be more or less evicted, or you're going to leave. Anyway, you need a place to be for a homeland. It says, verse 8, I will bring you into a land concerning the which I swore, did swear to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'll give it to you for heritage. And the last point, for your need to know that all this is not just a dream, that it's really going to happen, he says, sign the Lord. He said, I am the Lord. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We want to encourage you to support Friendship with God with a tax-deductible donation so we can continue airing on this station and in your city. And as we've been encouraging you all week long, help get involved with Jewish evangelism. We're sending out 108 missionaries around the United States and Canada this summer for several months full-time to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. If you'd like to support a missionary with a tax-deductible donation, you can send your support in online via israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us at 800-247-3051 to support the gospel going to Israel. Not Israel overseas, but Israel right here in America and Canada in our own backyard. 800-247-3051. Now, those eight statements were a wonderful gift from God delivered by Moses to the Jewish people. Those are absolutely wonderful promises and encouragements to them. And the question is, 
So how was this wonderful gift received by the Jewish people? <laughs> how did they receive all these promises and encouragements and gifts from God? Well, the next verse in verse 9 tells you, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. So verse 9 tells us, first of all, that Moses was, as he's always been, a faithful servant, a faithful Man, he was a faithful messenger. He said, uh, he said, Moses, just every point, he just told them everyone. Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. And the response was, they hearkened not unto Moses. They didn't hear a word that Moses said. They didn't hear one of those eight points that Moses told them. They didn't consider any of those promises or encouragements that Moses told them from God. Why? Because why didn't they hear God's message? Why didn't they take God's gift that Moses was telling them? Three words. Anguish of spirit. Anguish of spirit. Those are the three words. Anguish of spirit. They let anguish of spirit rob them from hearing God's words of promise and encouragement to them. They let anguish of spirit steal their gift from God. They let anguish of spirit choke their confidence in God. Because of anguish of spirit, they didn't hear one word that Moses had said to them, was telling them. Moses was telling them. Moses was saying, I'm telling you from God. And they didn't hear anything because of anguish of spirit. That's what happens to us. That's our problem. We have the same problem. When we get filled, when things are going fine and everything's great in life, oh, you know, this Bible's come alive, everything's wonderful. But when trouble comes, God especially sends the Moseses to our lives and with special words. But anguish of spirit causes us to run the treadmill of what's going to happen to me. Anguish of spirit causes a replay in our minds of all the different what-if scenarios. And then, just like the Jewish people, God sends to us the wonderful gift of promises and encouragements in the Bible and, or listening to Bible messages or friends who talk to us. And those are the rainbows. And, there's God's, and what happens? We don't hear. We don't hear. Like the Jewish people, because we've got anguish of spirit. And we don't hear. We don't read the plaque in the sky. And then, just like me, you know, and, and so Cheryl says my name twice. And so stop with the anguish of spirit and start with the God. So God says to us, don't let anguish of spirit steal your gifts from God. Don't let anguish of spirit rob you and choke your confidence in God. So that's the message. Now, we come to verse 18, Genesis 9, 18. Remember, we're back in Genesis 9. That's really where we are. In case you doubt it. Okay, Genesis 9, 18. It speaks about the sons of Noah. It says they went out of the ark. There were three of them, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham's the father of Canaan. That Canaan, a la original inhabitants of Canaan, they were all wiped out. And these are the three sons of Noah. And of them, here's the key word, the whole earth was overspread. Okay? And of them was the whole overspread. With that phrase, we can see In that phrase, the origin of the nations, or goyim, or Gentiles, the nations of the world. So chapter 10, the next chapter we're going to come to, is the blossoming out of this phrase. And of them was the whole earth overspread. 
Chapter 10 is like a giant survey of the nations. So, you know, the temptation for us is look at chapter 10 as genealogies of no value. But we have no other account in, in the Bible that's more full of a survey of the nations of the world than we do in chapter 10. It's important. If you take the time, look at the meanings of the names, which we won't do. I have a chart. If you want to look at that, you can do that. And then the people who they all became, chapter 10, very important. But those three characters, Shem, Ham, Japheth, they were like the three main branches that came out and constituted human life on earth. And Japheth. So Japheth is the older son. He had seven sons. His name is Japheth. And it means to spread abroad. And Japheth is spread abroad. And Japheth became the people of Britain, and it became the people of Russia, and the people of Italy, which was very important in the Roman times. Anyway, and Greece, not that it's not important today, it has value. I'm not saying. Greece and Germany, Asia, all those parts of the earth. But Noah had a particular prophecy about Japheth, which is in Genesis 9.27. It says, God shall enlarge Japheth. God shall enlarge Japheth. That's a very important prophecy. Now, the Hebrew word for enlarge here, patah, it's translated here by the translators. Well, obviously, who else is going to translate? Anyways, it's translated here as the word enlarge. And every other translation you pick up, it will say the word enlarge. And it appears 28 times in the Bible. This is the only place where the translators gave it this meaning of enlarge. And uh, it's really out of context as far as the other places go. Now, why do all the translations... You know, well, somebody in the 1600s came up with the idea with enlarge, and uh, everybody follows the leader. I don't know why. Why? I don't know. But anyway, that's what they did. Because all the other places in the Bible where this word is used, by its context and by how they translated the words, they gave it words like persuade, entice. So the real meaning of patah has nothing to do with enlarge. You know, uh, how did this translation get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a translation. (laughs) And because of this translation, all the other translations translated in large. Anyway, it has nothing to do with expanding or getting larger, like me. Anyway, the real meaning is to be influenced. The real meaning is to be persuaded. The real meaning is to be enticed. The real meaning is to be flattered or allured. Those are all names that have been given by the translators in other places. So putting that real meaning of patah here in the prophecy that's given in Genesis 9.27 makes the verse really read like this. God shall persuade Japheth, or if you prefer, God shall influence Japheth. Now that's a very interesting statement because point number one, God himself is going to do this work of influencing and persuading Japheth. Point number two, what God is going to do, is he's going to influence or persuade Japheth. So as for the great mass of humanity, or Japheth, or as Japheth has become, the great mass of humanity that overspread the earth, God is going to influence them. God is going to persuade them. So what influence and what persuasion is God going to do on this great Japheth humanity that has overspread the earth, that same God who is being referred to here in Genesis 9.27 told us what influence and what persuasion he was going to do on the great Japheth humanity that's overspread the earth. And that's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, 
where Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, even unto the overspreading of the earth, even unto the Japheth mass of humanity. That's the gospel. That's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's coming to him who died for your sins so everyone can be saved from hell. So when we see in Genesis 9, 27, in this light, we say, God shall persuade Japheth, to follow what the Lord Jesus Christ taught, to be baptized into him as Lord and Savior. God shall persuade, God shall influence, God shall persuade Japheth to be saved by Christians going into their immediate world and into all the rest of the world as missionaries bringing the gospel to lost Japheth. And these verses in Matthew 28, 28, 18 through 20, that's our command to be a part of, of Genesis 9.27. We are to be the ones that God uses to persuade and influence Japheth to be saved. That's why here at the chapel, we've said no to spending money on building projects, that's very obvious, (laughs) and other church-related expenses. And even though we're small, we've given over 70% of our income to missions, traditionally. Why? Because God said in Genesis 9.29 that his priority and his work was going to be to persuade the earth overspreading Japheth, and we've heard that call in Matthew 28, to be his temples through which God will do that influencing and persuading of Japheth. So we can't go ourselves. Where we can't go ourselves, some of us can. We can't go ourselves. So we at the chapel, we send missionaries. And not just with money, but with prayers and with watching over them, monitoring what they're doing. Why? Because we're saying to each missionary the chapel sends out three things. First, we must go into all the world so God can persuade Japheth to believe the gospel and be saved. Two, we cannot ourselves, most of us, we cannot ourselves go into all the world so that God can persuade Japheth. Three, to the missionaries we say, we send you to go in our place to persuade Japheth and influence him. Then from the platform, what would we do? We lay our hands on them and we pray for them. And as we do, we're actually saying to them, go in our place and persuade Japheth. Let God persuade Japheth through you. So the point is that God has chosen to do this influencing and this persuading of Gentiles or the nations through Christians. And thank God for every missionary who knows this and is giving his or her life to the work of a missionary, which is to be constantly influencing and persuading lost Japheth, the Gentile peoples of the world, to be saved. Now, what happened to Japheth? What became of Japheth? Since Genesis 9.27. Well, the condition of Japheth today is what we will cover next week. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) Because we're running out of time. And we have a lot to say. Okay. So uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for being the God of goodness. We thank you, Lord, for being the God who sends us promises and sends us encouragements. 
We thank you, Lord, for not forgetting the Japheth Gentiles of the world as they've just gone off, Lord, and in this wide, wide open world to the very ends of the earth, as you said. And we thank you, Lord, that as they've gone off, that they have not left the horizon of the knowledge of God. And we thank you, Lord, for how you have a witness to them in so many ways, but especially in how you send missionaries to carry the gospel to them, to carry God's persuasion, to carry God's influence on them. And we thank you so much for this as we've seen in this wonderful prophecy this morning about Japheth. Help us to be in line and in league with what you are doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Another fantastic week of teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. As we've been mentioning all week, we need your financial support to send out more missionaries with the gospel this summer around America and in Canada in 14 Jewish cities and giving out the gospel. If you'd like to be a part of that financial support, you can do so by going to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org. Our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of that ministry, Jewish evangelism ministry, getting out the gospel to lost Jewish people, israelrestoration.org. Donate online or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up there online for our Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries newsletter that will have lots of testimonies of the witness that's going on with the Jewish people. And we'll also have requests for prayer that will be on there. So get involved. Sign up for the Tom Cantor Daily Devotional Verse and the newsletter for Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God so you can find out what's going on with the Summer Blitz and support us by calling 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Reach lost Jewish people now. 800-247-3051.